Deconstruct with Clark and Alyssa. So Alyssa, mm-hmm. when is Colin going to turn into stone? When is Colin going to turn into stone? Yeah, like chapter eight or nine, like sometime soon, That's please. That's because of the basilisk, right? That's... Yeah, yeah. When is the basilisk that is roaming Hogwarts school going to turn Colin into stone? Because he's a mudkip. <laughs> That's a racial slur. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I need to find a way to censor this. Uh, yeah. So are you saying it happens soon? Because I need it to happen soon. This guy's driving me nuts. I think that might be a book five thing, man. I don't book know. Book five? <laughs> you, might, you might be saddled with Colin. <laughs> uh, for those listening, Alyssa has just admitted that there is a basilisk in book five. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be weird because I thought I they were going to kill it all. in this book. But Yeah, I mean... St- Spoiler alert, this is the internet's best kept secret. Voldemort isn't the actual villain of the series. It's the Basilisk. <laughs> it's the Basilisk. Which isn't named Ragnarok. It's not. That's that's Voldemort's brother. Common mistake. Uh, the Basilisk's name is... Um, Benny. Benny. That's, we're great at this. Uh, speaking of Basilisks, uh, listener Oscar Aguirre, Oscar Aguirre sorry, had an awesome suggestion for the Basilisk book name. Oh, yeah. What it was, was that? Uh, I thought it was Basking with Basilisks. Yeah, that yeah, was it. Yeah. I totally uh, didn't write it. So down. thank you for that, Oscar. That was great. It was brilliant. I am sad we didn't think of it sooner. Right? But, like, I'm glad you, you shared it with us because. <laughs> so thanks for that. So on to telling people what we're actually talking about here. This is where it's stuck. We're talking about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Want to tell us, the listeners, a little bit about chapter... Oh, boy. What are we on? Seven. Chapter seven. Chapter seven is... Um, you're going to figure out how to censor the... Uh, censor the, the M title word. here. Mudkip, no! And murmurs. Mm. Um, and so in this chapter, uh, the Slytherin Quidditch team gets new brooms. And Harry and Hermione learn a racial slur. Ron's wand is entirely useless, and Harry serves detention with Lockhart, where he starts hearing voices. Starts hearing voices out of nowhere while while reading a very particular person's address, which I feel like has to be a red herring, uh, because it specifically said like as Harry started to write like Victoria, whatever her name is, on the envelope, he started to hear a voice, and I'm like, oh man, maybe this person's that evil of a person that by even writing their name. It, it brings to it mind brings voices. To mind evil voices. But then we hear the evil voices in the next chapter, too. So that point's kind of moot. Maybe it's like once that name is thought, it's like he's possessed yeah. with that the spirit of the, the blood-curling... Uh, I forget what how she described it. I'm she said, like, I'm chapter. going to kill someone or something like that. It, it's a bit ridiculous. It's a bit cheesy um, voice inside your head yeah. problem. So, it's, sort of, it's sort of like those uh, those thoughts that aren't actually words that we think, if they then became words. Like, they were translated from nebulous, wordless thoughts into what they meant. Yeah, yeah. Like, It'd be some mixture of, like, invasive thoughts and just, like, utter randomness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that comes a little bit later in the chapter. I do want to talk about Quidditch. Quidditch is one of the main characters in this chapter. Yeah, in both of these chapters. There's quite a bit of Quidditch going on. Yeah, which... Um, that's great. That's great. Sports ball, you know. People like Quidditch, apparently. They, they score hoop baskets. Hoop baskets, as he so eloquently described to uh, <laughs> Colin. Uh, but throughout this chapter, as you guys uh, who are 
definitely reading along with us chapter <laughs> by chapter, but as we're reading, Colin is the little uh, muggle-born obnoxious guy that's following Harry around this whole chapter. And I just want to shake him because he won't take a hint. He's taking pictures of the Quidditch game. He is just just being a nuisance. And I don't like him. So the thing that struck me when I was reading this, um, it's why on earth is Colin, this mm-hmm. muggle-born, first year, mm-hmm. why is he so obsessed with Harry? Like, yes, Harry has the status, but I feel like... That's something that you learn throughout living your life is this name is a name. Yeah, to and it know. keeps coming up. Yeah. But to Colin, it's he's known about him for maybe a month. Yeah. And and so what what is it that has Colin so fanatical about Harry? I think Hogwarts probably gives Harry a paragraph in their brochure. <laughs> that they send out, you know, welcome to Hogwarts, where you can master the magics. And then they're like, we have Harry Potter. He survived two attacks from the Dark Lord. Do you think Harry's the poster child of Hogwarts? And there's Harry winking, holding his broom. Uh, and then hopping on his broom and flying away. Hopping because on his... they're moving pictures, why not? Why not? Do I? Uh, but to answer your question, do I think Harry is the poster boy of uh, Hogwarts? No, no. He is the front page boy of Hogwarts. (laughs) But, like, how interesting is any brochure ever, right? Do do you think it was because Harry arrived this year the way that he did in in the car, then crashing into the Whomping Willow and making the front page on the first day of school? Like, do you think that contributed to Colin's obsession? Or do you think he, like, read about him in his textbooks before? In which case, like, I can't believe there are textbooks that just like that talk about history 12 years ago like well there's got to be you know history, history of the wizarding world and they talk about voldemort and then they're like edit harry potter also defeated voldemort yesterday as well well it's like think about our history classes things that happened 12 years ago like i've i've, of, I've often wondered how like 9-11 is taught like, yeah. is that in the textbooks yet? And if so, how? Because that's sort of a similar... It's got to be in textbooks. It, it's about the same time frame. And how is that taught? It's probably not as thoroughly in the books as Harry Potter died in Voldemort. Or Harry Potter lived and Voldemort died on this night. Huh. So I just wondered. I wondered how and why. Why this little obnoxious muggle <laughs> muggle born is, is so, so like keen obsessed. on Harry Potter he does not take a hint he is very frustrating and and you know what he did yeah Colin his function in this chapter is to be like he's to be the reader of yeah I don't understand what Quidditch is so Harry exposition bot Harry come yeah. tell me what Quidditch is and now Harry's going to entirely over-explain everything about Quidditch. I think Colin is um, kind of the the receiver, the receiving end of the exposition bot, mm-hmm. which I'm going to call the exposition sponge. He, he is the sponge of the chapter. You can just shorten it to that. He's a sponge. He's there to, he, to he's take to things in. Yeah, to be the readers. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, too. Uh, yeah, I mean... I thought they explained Quidditch beforehand, though, when they first had him out practicing. Maybe not, though. When they first had him out practicing in the first book? No, in this... Oh, 
Yeah. Because that right. was on his on the way to his first practice. So Okay. He hasn't like Yeah, I'm mixing books already. That's yeah. dangerous. It's and I was sitting here and maybe it's because we have read it uh we read the first book so like we did not take much of a break between the two. Yeah. Versus yeah. there was at least a year between publication of the two. And so maybe the reader did need that. A little refresher. What are the like, main positions? Did of... you feel like you needed? Oh, to... absolutely not. No. no. But if I need, if I had taken a year off, eh, it probably would have been nice to know like, oh yeah, bludgers. Oh yeah, you know, beaters. I feel like I was reading through and, and my editing brain was like, cut this and phrase it this way so that it's more natural cut this and phrase it this way so that the information is still there but mm-hmm. it's more natural it's more conversational it's more like someone would actually say it yeah. as opposed to i am now an information manual i am now quidditch through the age- ages <laughs> it, it still Annotated seems like by harry potter <laughs> yeah, it, it still feels like jk rowling is still in the level of of writership where she's a little bit like a like a cop drama where they come across this murder scene and they're like what had happened and the person yeah, like you were saying, just gives this over <laughs> explanation and kind of mansplains to the readers uh, a little bit, which I, I find myself doing a lot, probably on this podcast. So it's frustrating. Uh, not frustrating, but it's just like it doesn't it doesn't feel necessary, but you're right that it's only been... I feel like it's maybe yeah. less frustrating for you and more frustrating for me because I <laughs> yeah. know... I, I, I already know. And so why are you telling me this? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, like history-style information. Very blanket facts, not really a lot of attitude, not really... I don't understand why this character is telling me this thing, other than the fact that this character would have a workable knowledge of this thing. Yeah, And, like, yeah. I don't understand why Ron can spew out literally and figuratively um (laughs) a a lot of very specific details about racial slurs and stuff like that yeah yeah so with racial slurs uh that leads to some interesting questions so like on on the quidditch field um they're practicing the slytherins come out everybody lands and there's kind of this weird face-off where they're like what are you guys doing here we totally rented the field it's a very uh, West Side Story. Very West Side Story. Uh, <laughs> Sharks and Ch- Jets. Sharks and Jets, yeah. Uh, and it's revealed that they have the new broomsticks, and Draco is the seeker. And Draco goes out and calls Hermione a mother. I forget exactly why. Uh, Hermione says something. Why, why go after Hermione? I think she calls him out on the fact that he, oh, yeah, that- like, he maybe bought his way onto the team. And yeah. then, like, you guys might be great, but the Gryffindor Quidditch team is all here on pure talent. Yeah, that's what it was, which is a zinger. Good job, Hermione. She's, she's got some bite to her words there, which I think is a fair point, too, because I was thinking about this and trying to imagine a muggle equivalent of buying a, equipment that would actually improve the performance and like the only sports that I could think of would be like, like, uh, something like NASCAR or something like yeah, having an actual yeah. thing that would move faster. Like football, yeah, you can have nicer pads, but like yeah. they're not gonna necessarily enhance any natural ability. Yeah, and you'll see. I mean, there's also like bicycling, sailing, yeah, swimming. Remember yeah. all that controversy with that swimsuit that was apparently like oh, too yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. 
that was a yeah you don't see that very often so uh, like i was trying to think of equivalents and it's it's rare to find them and then to be like this equipment might even make people who are not good at this better than people who are yeah that's a huge controversy and i completely understand how that would be concerning i and can't imagine if you're if, if you're a great flyer and but you're on a clean sweet five and then someone else who's not that great is on a what is it nimbus 2001 yeah um it just they might be neck and neck just because the great flyer knows how to use his broom but yeah i don't know and is there a board for that is there someone who decides like well you can use brooms up to this level like no slower than this no faster than this i would bet there's a broom in america uh, there's there's a board in america but i bet there's not a board in the uk (laughs) the way hogwarts is run they're not very good at like Mm. they're kind of classist as we've seen classist and borderline anarchists yeah It's they do what they want. They want the Ministry of Magic completely out of their business, which I completely understand why, but there are also problems when you don't have, when you become an echo chamber. Yeah. So. Totally. Uh, but uh, Ron decides enough is enough is enough, and he goes to cast this, like, wicked spell on Malfoy, and it backfires, and he, he gives himself this spell, which is a pretty crafty spell. Uh, where he just pukes up slugs constantly. For... It's, it's totally the spell that a 12-year-old boy would cast. Right? I'm going to make you <laughs> puke slugs. Take that. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of complicated, though. There's a lot of things that could go wrong with that. I'm going to create matter in your stomach that's not dangerous, just really annoying, and it's just going to keep appearing. I wonder appearing. how many times his older brothers cast that on him for him to learn it. Oh, poor guy. Like... <laughs> Yeah, poor guy. Like, that must have happened. How else <laughs> do you, as the youngest boy, learn how to make people eat slugs? He probably has mint in his, like, mints in his pocket, just because he's so used to it. Charlie and Bill, man. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys. Charlie and Bill. I totally know who they are. Yeah. yeah. Charlie's the one who they sent the dragon to. Okay, yeah. And then Bill? Yeah. <laughs> he's, oh, okay. <laughs> he's, he's mentioned it, so he's been mentioned, I <laughs> I just don't really remember when. I think uh, I think it was when, in the very first book, when Mrs. Weasley's no, it's in this it's in this book when Mrs. Weasley's talking about Percy the prefect. Mm-hmm. And that would be the first book or head boy. Is he head boy? I don't know. He's the head boy, but he's gearing up to be prefect. No, it's the other way around. Oh. Um, I don't. I don't know if that's what it is, but when she's like bragging about, oh my gosh, that's everyone in the family. Charlie did this, Bill did this, no, 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 and Fred and George are like, what are we, chopped liver? Yeah, right. <laughs> huh. Anyway, cool the, story, bro. Cool um, story. So I was wondering, do you think uh, regarding like racial slurs and swears and stuff mm-hmm. like that, do you think um, Muggle racial slurs and Muggle swears have any bearing? Or if, if, like, they are, like... Yeah, I, th- I think they probably take some of them. Yeah, th- there's no way, especially when they have such a mix of of Muggleborns and... Mudkip, no! ...and everything, like, it's gotta leak in. It's gotta just kind of get there where it's like, oh, well... Because the wizards, in some ways, at least young wizards, I don't know about adult wizards, but they're a little bit curious about muggles, too. But and... they're so, like... They're, like 
they treat muggles like animals in a zoo. I mean, the their understanding of them is so cursory. Yeah. It's like when when um when Dean Thomas in the first book hangs his uh, his soccer poster of Chelsea or something up, mm-hmm. up on his wall. And Ron is just like confused by it. He's just <laughs> like, what is that? What is this sport? Why aren't the pictures moving? I'm confused. Yeah. This and is it's the most like, boring poster. That's I, and, and for Dean, he's fiercely defensive of it. And it's like, okay, there are people who are fiercely defensive of their muggle heritage and their muggle interests, hmm. but they don't, in, they don't infiltrate the society. Yeah, so, so maybe they don't adopt all their curse words. I think it's possible that that they're not like, or or potentially that they're more progressive in some ways, where some of our racial slurs mm-hmm. aren't. They don't matter, but they have other ones. Yeah, which, I don't see the wizards as actually being progressive, though. Really? Yeah. No. What's what's progressive about them? They're still bullying. They're still racial or. There's, I don't know about racial inequality, uh, but there's certainly societal and um, like money difference. Cast, yeah. There's and... still not a, yeah. There's still problems, which is stupid because it seems like those problems really shouldn't exist. Like in the world of magic, and you're still worrying about people being poor and barely being able to pay the bills. That's not a progressive culture. These people aren't ahead of their times. They're no, no. They're just in an alternate timeline, alternate reality. <laughs> yeah, sure, you can cure stuff, but you can't cure just people being totally rude to each other for no reason. <sighs> and and turning Filch into a, a slave. No. <laughs> no. Uh, we were talking about this before. Uh, we, we we have Filch in this chapter, right? No. that's the... Well, he's polishing trophies with Ron for detention. Is that? I think that's at the end of the yeah, chapter yeah, because yeah, he's you're still right. puking slugs. I totally spaced. I didn't even write it down because for me that was not as big of a interest as it was for you. Well, I was just like, why, why polish everything by hand when you could just do it with magic? And I think I just came to the conclusion like, well, that's why it's a punishment. Like, it's you're not going to convince any like teacher. It's like, hey guys, these really need to be polished. Could you just cast some magic? The teacher is going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, there's that's not important. This is an old trophy room, whatever. So he's like, cool, I want these to be polished, and I have kids who need detention, so uh, problem solved. Yeah, I think there's. I, I think the teachers would all agree that the things need polishing because the teachers clearly have house pride. Yeah, that's true. All of them. Yeah, yeah. Like Snape, who writes his little, like, my team can practice whenever they want. Yeah, (laughs) which is what a ridiculous note. If you could just do that, then why even have sign-off times? Like, they have a new seeker, which how many teams probably have new players? Like, Gryffindors don't, but I bet the Republicans... Republicans. Republicans, eh? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I feel shame. The Ravenclaws and the Hufflepuffs. Um, (laughs) I, I bet they have new players but snape is throwing his weight around because he can yep yep they can practice whenever they want so that was an interesting but clearly it's because he has such house pride and Mm -hmm. he wants to trounce all the others and mcgonagall's the same way she's like here's my little first year who's a child prodigy we're gonna bend the rules for him and i'm gonna buy him his own broom and it's gonna be fine we're gonna bend the rules like a lot like 
entirely. Like, so Like, there much. is a specific written rule that says first years don't get brooms and they don't play Quidditch, and I'm going to break both of them. But, like, screw that, right? <laughs> yeah, because Gryffindor has to win. And, uh, and so it's... This is what's wrong with sports, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, of course all of those teachers would then be pro- all of those trophies need to be polished. Yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah. they are very, like, nationalistic about their house teams. Well, they are Republicans, so. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> so, and, yeah, they could have some teacher help them out. And and if Filch, want, like, I bet he just revels in, like, you guys get to, you guys are going to yeah. work hard. You're going to be sore after detention. So, uh. Some quick rapid-fire questions before we move on to the next subject. Um, do you think that Colin's a spy? I, I don't know why I'm asking you these Colin? questions. Yeah, Is Colin. A spy? For Slytherin, yeah. There were for accusations. <laughs> they were making accusations. They were like, Slytherin doesn't need another spy. And they're like, why? Oh, because Slytherin's right here. It's like, yeah, dun, but, dun, dun. but like, what, what, what's Colin's game here? Is he, uh, is he letting on? Does he know more than he's letting on? Do you think he does? I don't know, man. I've watched enough cartoons and stuff where, like, this cute little innocent annoying thing turns out to actually be the main bad guy. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Mostly because I don't think a basilisk could get into that small of a human suit. <laughs> but, I mean, who knows? Who knows? This <laughs> that's book a is... great image. <laughs> this book is full of surprises. Colin so. is just a basilisk in disguise. <laughs> it's a basilisk in a human suit, yeah. Uh... I'm also curious uh, if a teacher had caught on that uh, Ron, like if Ron had even succeeded in casting that spell on Malfoy, how bad would the repercussions for that be? So many points lost. So many points lost, Like Hagrid's over there, because they go to Hagrid's hut after Ron casts a spell. It was nice to see Hagrid, And like, it's really nice to see Hagrid. And he was really supportive of them. And he was really like, he shouldn't be saying that. And... Very, yeah. like, but also not really a great adult in the situation of, like, I wish it would have worked. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> I would have cast it, too, if I had the opportunity. Like, okay, that's the problem with this society is eye for an eye over here. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, Hagrid's, there's a reason he's not a professor. He's, yeah. If he were a professor, would he take points? He maybe would have. I don't know. I don't think he'd enjoy being a professor. I don't know. But anyway, so they go to Hagrid, they talk to him, he's sympathetic, but it never gets back to a teacher. I think Ron totally could have played it off, though. Broken wand, it backfired. Yeah, he could. But they'd also be like, so what were you trying to cast? And he'd be like, oh, I wanted him to say his S is funny for a while. He's the sixth child. I'm sure he's a great liar. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, But he still would have lost points, for sure, I think. I don't know. It seems like a big deal to pull out a wand and use it on another student. I, I thought that was a big deal because, like, they were caught sneaking out after dark and they all lost 50 points, but he pulls his wand on another student. And, like, it, that has to be as big of a deal because, like, it's repercussions, man. Like, he's young. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he's just, like, casting spells on people. It's not okay. Yeah, I think it, it was... I think we are seeing a very real uh, repercussion from their parents fighting in Diagon Alley. Yeah, yeah. Like, two grown adults didn't pull their wands on each other, but they beat each other up. Yeah, that's true. And and so 
their sons also can't keep the peace. They haven't learned. They have, no one's modeled to them what it looks like to keep the peace. No, nah, it's just been modeled to The only to people escalate. who have are McGonagall and Snape in those two houses, and they don't interact enough for anyone to actually learn from them, and they don't really do that great of a job. Yeah, they really don't. Like, they keep peace, but it's not congenial. Or it's yeah. not friendship, it, but it isn't... It also isn't... Like, Snape is really bad at... at yeah, yeah. He's he's an angry guy. Yeah. And he's got some issues that we're going to have to spend seven books to figure out. Yeah. It's therapy. <sighs> <laughs> so that's a really scattered look at chapter seven. Kind of back and forth a little yeah. bit everywhere. Uh, any last things to say about the chapter, or should we move on to favorite quotes? Favorite quotes. Favorite quotes. All right. I will go first. Uh, so my favorite quote is on page 115. Let me get there real quick. <laughs> so my favorite quotes you you know it's usually not actually that memorable of a line it's more just i kind of like the flair that she puts on it Mm -hmm. uh so it was 115 uh hagrid is talking about the dark arts um position professor defender defender of dark arts whatever it is against the dark arts defense against the dark arts which we learn uh it's it's like kind of people think it might be jinxed or something. So Gilderoy was actually one of the only choices, which is actually a helpful little tidbit of exposition. And they kind of just snuck that in there. When and there's like, a big pool, you kind of think you've got a good person. But when there's yeah. a little pool... And it kind of goes against what I was saying in the last chapter where I'm like, well, they have to vet it, right? They they have to go for, like, the best, and they have all these people to pick from, and they're going to go for the best guy, not necessarily just the most publicity. Now it turns out, like, they might know that he's not that good, but they're desperate, and they know that it might make them look good. It is cool that she sort of naturally answered that question. Yeah, without yeah. Without an exposition bot asking, why is he a terrible teacher? Well, because of this, like, yeah. it was a really, like, we had the question, and a chapter later, we know an answer. It felt really natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not why I like this quote. It's just a, it's an, it's a good thing about the quote. Uh, but uh, Hagrid says, he was the only man for the job, said Hagrid. I don't have a Hagrid voice. Sorry, readers. I just don't. <laughs> Offering them a plate of treacle toffee. Well, Ron coughed squelchily into his basin squelchily squelchily that can't be a word she made that up i mean if you're trying to describe like she she did like 10 times in this chapter at least describe ron puking up slugs she kept bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up and i think she was just kind of running out of words to describe what it. it would be like for someone to puke up slugs so uh squelchily coughed squelchily i I read that and i'm like yep all right (laughs) that's good stuff right there like i can hear it when i hear squelchily oh yeah yeah it's a little bit dry heaving because he's been doing it for so long but there's still some moisture there for sure (laughs) gross i'm sorry to our listeners uh hope you weren't eating hope you weren't (laughs) eating something squelchy okay so how um, about you I have I have two. I didn't want to do two, but I'm I'm gonna do, do two. two. Yeah, one because one's kind of funny, and I like I like the imagery. It's on page one hundred six. Okay, and it's when Colin won't leave Harry alone, and Harry didn't know how to get rid of him. It was like having an extremely talkative shadow. <laughs> I do like that, and I'm like, what? Oh my, what would that be like? Like you cannot be without it you can't avoid it you can't escape it it's always there and it won't stop talking in that oh that that paints a picture really well in a really clever 
playful way. It sort of reminds me of Peter Pan. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a throwback to something. Yeah. So I really liked that. Hmm. And then my other one is on page 120, mm-hmm. which is describing the voice that Harry hears. Uh, it was a voice, a voice to chill the bone marrow, a voice of breathtaking ice cold venom. Hmm. It's like, whoo, I can hear it. I didn't like it. Ah, no. I didn't like it. I don't feel it was earned. What don't you like about it? We haven't even heard, like, this is the first time we meet the voice, and, and they just say, like, just so you know, this is bone chilling down to the marrow. And I'm like, okay. Like, I just, I'm just like, you're trying to sell me something here where I'm really supposed to believe that this next line is, is really something bone chilling. And then the line itself is like, uh, what, what page is it? Sorry. 120. 120. So they like gear it up. It's like, oh, this bone chilling voice. And then the bone is like, let me tear you. Let me rip you. And I'm like, I don't buy it. This is such like, no. Do you like the line without the quote from the voice? No, no. It's like, asking it... too much from me. It, it's It's telling me. It's like saying like, and then... Harry saw a very scary looking man that chilled him to the bone. It's like, no, like it, it use use actions not words. Like So how how do you describe a voice that's just a voice in a way that Not by telling me what it does to me before I even hear what? it. Like, just so you know, the thing you're about to hear chills you to the bone. It's like, eh, eh. No, it didn't. It was just kinda silly. I, I don't know. I don't know how I'd do it better. I'm not a writer. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to think of, uh, I mean, he's not, he's not getting caught in, like, the sound of it. He's getting caught in, uh, like, she's using how it affected him to show hmm. how it scared him. And I think that that is more effective than, like, earlier in in the first book, we hear a shrill voice from Coral. And that just, yeah, like, you're right. high-pitched shrill voice did not do it for me when I hmm. read that, and I don't remember where it was. Um, I think it, I think it was when Voldemort first talked to Harry in the in the final chamber, where he has a high pitched voice, and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, like like a mouse, like, yeah, like like Mike Tyson, yeah, <laughs> like like not scary at all. Like what? I don't understand. I mean, I I guess it, there is a bit of a Beowulf ish argument there of less is more, and. But it worked. Less is more terrifying. But it worked for you. It it worked for me. Um, and I'm I'm not trying to dump on that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to just no, like, no, 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 totally no. dump on your on a quote that you like. I'm trying to work out if if I like it because I know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it it doesn't work as well on first read because oh that could be because I I think that might be it. Yeah. Is this moaning Myrtle? Anyway, on to the next chapter. <laughs> which is titled The Death Day Party, which is a follow-up on an invitation that nearly headless Nick gave to Harry Potter, I think at the end of this chapter, right? Or at the end of chapter seven, saying like, hey, you should come to my death day party. It's in this chapter. Oh, it's in this chapter. Yeah. What else is in this chapter? What else is in this chapter? Well, um, Harry goes to Filch's office and learns he is taking a very, like, infomercial style, University of Phoenix style magic (laughs) class through the mail. And um, then the trio goes to Nearly Headless Nick's death day party, 500 years. Whoa. And uh, then Harry hears the voice again and follows it to a uh, hanging Mrs. Norris from a torch. 
by her tail, right? By her tail. She's not just like hanging, hanging. And an ominous sign on the wall. Ba, ba, ba. That's so. the wrong sound. Dun, dun, dun. So, nearly headless Nick, which, uh, as you tweeted on our Twitter page at WordstruckPod, played by John Cleese. John Cleese. I, I'll be honest, I haven't really watched many like, what is it, Univer- University of Silly Walks or whatever. I haven't. Oh yeah, haven't yeah. watched many of those. So like, not super familiar with the appearance of John Cleese. But like, I'm a big Monty Python fan, so I'm sad that I. Well, I will tell you that this is by far his most boring role ever, <laughs> and probably p- most poorly executed, though yeah. not his fault. Purely yeah, the director's it was, fault. It was purely like, we need to let you know who this person is, and make sure you know that ghosts are in this movie. So here's yeah. 15 seconds of a ghost. Bye! And it's like John Cleese. I mean, it's it's kind of like having, um, oh boy, the James Bond guy be one of the stormtroopers. Daniel Craig? He's one of the stormtroopers in the new Star Wars movie. I did not know that. Yeah, he's the one that like brings. Um... It's sort of like a wink to those in the know. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey. Where it's like, hey, that's James Bond in that stormtrooper suit. It's basically no, he's the one a cameo, that... but not exactly. And it's like you know they kind of ran into him, and he's like super into Star Wars, and they're like, well, do you want to be a stormtrooper? Or maybe he asked. I don't. Dan knows the story, but he he got on, and he was like a super fan about it. I don't think he got paid. Anyway, so John Cleese. I'm like imagining snake. you said Dan knows the story, and I'm like, well, of course Daniel Craig would know the story. <laughs> Dan, Daniel Craig was there. He Dan, was you that. know, he knows the story. Nah, Dan. <laughs> like, Dan from Twenty Minutes of Danter. Dan, Dan, if you're listening, yeah, Daniel Craig, we mean. <laughs> uh, I hope Daniel Craig's listening. Uh. Hey, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but nearly headless Nick, uh, and the nearly headless plays a big role in this chapter because mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he's nearly headless means that he can't join the fully headless horseman. The headless hunt. Headless hunt. Uh, do you think that there is some sort of netherworld blade that could just finish the job? I don't think so. Really? I think nearly headless Nick has had 500 years of dealing with the fact that he wasn't properly beheaded. And he would have figured it out in 500 years. Yeah, that's a good point. Especially if, like, I think he's been pining to be a part of the Headless Hunt for years and years and years. Pretty much 499 of those years. What And also, okay, so it's been 500 years that this Headless Hunt, well, maybe not the full time, but the Headless Hunt's been around for a while. But people still go nuts for them. Like, the ghosts have definitely seen this whole rigmarole before, right? I wonder how often ghosts gather for a party. Like, this is his 500th death day. Yeah, but there's a lot of ghosts. There's a lot of ghosts, but, like, I think they probably save big parties like that Mm -hmm. for, like, landmarks, milestones, Milestones, 500 years. Um and also, I like not every ghost has been beheaded, and so maybe not every ghost is like yeah in the know and and invited to every death day party. Like, I feel like they showed up at near like like he invited them clearly because he wanted Harry to talk yeah Nick up to them yeah but. Like, which he totally called out, which was super awkward. I wonder how many times he tried that. Like, has he tried that at year 400 and at year 300 <laughs> and at year 200? Where he's like, hey, kid, go tell this guy I was scared. I'm like, scared. This is the resident celebrity. Oh, my gosh. He, like, I don't know, created this spell that's changed the world. And now it's 
now it's taught to Harry Potter in year one or whatever. <laughs> you so. should meet this fresh-faced student. His name is Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> we his think big things are planned for him. His name's Ragnarok. He's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. His brother's way cooler. Oh, man. <laughs> Just like Ron. Uh, <laughs> but so what you're saying is the Headless Hunt, they are the blue angels of the ghost world. You know, like the, the jets, the blue jets that fly with the Super Bowl. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. They're like, I mean, it's it's a it's a big deal to have them at your party. And they probably, like, are scattered a little bit. And so mm-hmm. it's a big deal to get them all together. They all have to haunt their own places. Oh, so it's like the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Really hard to assemble. They don't really, I mean, they want to, but they'll like, never tell you They'll that. play a good game of polo. <laughs> but, like... You can only play a game of polo so many times before the audience is over it. Yeah, so, yeah. The audience is like, I get it. Tonight's going to be a good night. You're playing polo like, with your it's, heads. It's not, like ba- it's not like baseball where you play like every night of the year. Like people have lost interest in yeah. baseball. Yeah. The football game understands it a little better with like six games a year. <laughs> anyway. Exactly. exactly. Um, well, that's chapter eight. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I realized something as I was making the notes. Uh-huh. Uh, we meet a lot of ghosts in this chapter. We do. And, and like, we meet some of them. We just hear about some of them. Mm-hmm. But literally all of the names are alliterative. Oh. This is this is right up your alley. Moaning Myrtle. Mm-hmm. Peeves is a little different. But we have the Bloody Baron. We've got the Fat Friar. We've got the Wailing Widow from Kent. And, like, and I think Patrick also, Sir Patrick, had an alliterative name. Um, and so then we get to, if you recall, when mm-hmm. we first met Nearly Headless Nick mm-hmm. in the first book, he's very hard. He works very hard to get the first years to not call him Nearly Headless Nick. Yeah. Is it partly because there's an alliterative status of ghosts? Nearly Headless is not perfectly alliterative versus whatever else he maybe wanted. Like, hmm. like I don't like Nightblade Nick or something. Yeah, or, or some some I don't I don't know. Hit twenty four times in the neck. He probably has workshopped the best name for himself. Oh yeah, five hundred years, absolutely. Yeah, and he's like, man, if only they'd call me this. But instead, not only do they call me this thing that emphasizes the one part about me that I am feel like sadness and shame about, but also. It's not even properly ghost alliterative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, come on, guys. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of a crappy nickname. But I mean, like, I'm sure Moaning Myrtle is the same way, where she's like, really? Moaning? Like, that's going to make me even more sad. <laughs> like, on top of being already sad, but I'm sad enough that now people just call me the sad, noisy one. It's like, man, poor thing. So Sir Patrick, actually, so so my, my own theory is a little bit thwarted here, but Sir Patrick... Mm-hmm. Goes by goes by his name, Sir Patrick Delaney Podmore. Mm-hmm. So, Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porking- Porpington. <laughs> Porpington? Yes. <laughs> he he uh-huh. tries to introduce himself as his full name. And so I think he's trying to, like, put himself on the status yeah. of these headless hunt ghosts yeah. who go by their names. They kind of... So maybe he's trying to shirk the, the, the properly alliterative. Yeah. And, but even then, he's like, I'm not fully alliterative, and I'm also, like, no one's calling me this other thing. Like, I don't fit in either. 
So I'm nearly be- I'm nearly headless. I'm nearly headless. <laughs> I, I'm almost something that matters. So I saw Podmore, and I immediately thought that um, if if J.K. Rowling had a podcast app, it would be called like Podmore, just because it's kind of like Pottermore, which is kind of I don't know. That's reaching. That's reaching. Uh, uh, so there's all these ghosts, rotten food. And they pass through rotten food. I know that's a, that was a non sequitur. Sorry. Yeah, rotten no, food. it's fine. Um, I, I followed with you. Buy it that they just pass through it and it's rotten because that smells more, which means they kind of pick up on it more. I could, I could see it. I mean, I don't know because that was their guess, but it was just a guess. I, I think, I think that's probably why they do it. I think there's maybe also, um, like, what is the nature of a party? A party is we're going to get together and we're going to celebrate something. We're going to eat food. We're going to mm-hmm. it's it's a very living tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And and so the headless hunt is about the only thing in this party that is uh specific to ghosts. Yeah, that's Everything true. else that they do is felt very living. Except for the music is a bit more cacophonous, but that might just be a just because it's music from a different time and they're all really old or something which actually it confused me a little bit the music because it's like saws yeah yeah which made me wonder so like these ghosts are clearly clothed Mm -hmm. and they have like some things they have saws ghostly saws Mm -hmm. that they can move are those actual tangible saws to the living or did they like die with them and then they become part of their like ghost (laughs) i mean the typical sound of like that high-pitched wailing ghost sound that warbles that's usually just done with a saw so i think that might be a little bit of a nod to like hey you know those those ghost sounds like but like just just i'm just wondering if if they have like ghost (laughs) instruments or that's a good question or if they are or if i think this is maybe an argument for the rotting food Mm -hmm. if they concentrate hard enough can they actually affect the physical world Hmm. if they concentrate hard hard enough can the physical world affect them i can taste this i don't know See, I'm firmly on the line of, like, a ghost that can change the real world is not a ghost. It's a poltergeist. It's a poltergeist. And the Which second, the second is, that line is crossed. doesn't struggle. And we haven't necessarily, like, I don't think it shows, I don't, th- I don't think it shows the ghosts who are playing the saws. Hmm. So. Well, he does go to warn the orchestra. He's like, I need to go warn the orchestra that I'm about to make a speech. And then it's cut short. But we so don't it's see like, them. So we don't know if they're ghostly. We don't know if they're. Hmm. I don't know. There's no answers like, in this chapter. I don't for think that. they were necessarily. They weren't people because Harry, Ron, and Hermione were the only ones who were like of note, and they would have noticed there were other living, yeah. living people there. But no, nah, I think it's ghost instruments. Yeah, I love the Death Day party. I think it's fascinating. Um, it's so, better than another feast. We've kind of seen a lot of those. Yeah, it's sort of the opposite. It's the counter to the feast. Yeah, there's all this life and this joy and like. They even have living bats, like everything is living right? in, in their feast. And then you go to the very opposite. And even the candles don't cast proper light. Yeah, like, yeah. It's cold. It was nice. It showed a little bit of depth of J.K. Rowling where it's like, oh, okay. You're not just like a Brian Jacques where everything is just always a feast. You can kind of mix it up. Uh, 
That's a Redwall reference for those I'm, who... I'm with you, man. Redwall was great. <laughs> uh, anyway, on to Harry um, being discovered. So so Harry's doing Quidditch practice out in the rain, and he comes back in, and he's all muddy, mm-hmm. and Filch finds him, and Filch is like, oh, grumble, grumble, mud. Uh, I don't have to censor it when it's just mud. <laughs> I can say half of it. I can say mud, and I can say blood, but the second I say mud, it makes that weird sound. Uh, So, (laughs) I don't know why, but... um, That's terrible. I know. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, Filch comes in, and and Harry's talking to Nearly Headless Nick, Mm -hmm. and, and Nick's talking about his rejection once again from the... Headless hunt. And he and mentions that he was axed in the head with a blunt axe like 20 times or something. Which is terrible. Ugh. So terrible. Man. Um, that's That happened a lot. And that was that's why the guillotine was not very successful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just like a one drop and you're done. It was like a, all right, pull it back up. Someone forgot to sharpen the guillotine. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Filch comes in and sees all the mud and he takes Harry to his office mm-hmm. and then Harry, Harry's in there and Filch is grumbling and then there's like another clatter and Filch has to go run out and stop that, which seems like a strange choice for Filch anyway to leave someone in his office. Yeah, especially when you have like private stuff there and like it's whatever's broken, it's not going to get any less broken, you know, finish your paperwork. He wants he wants to punish more kids. I mean, yeah, he wants to true. catch them rather than they're going to make something, some catastrophe and then run away. Though he did think it was Peeves, and he was just going to use it as a way to where it's like, finally, I can get Peeves out of here because that thing is really expensive. Which it was Peeves. So it was Peeves. It was Peeves at, He's at not wrong. nearly headless Nick's urging. He at least, uh, it at least got Peeves out of the movies, so that's good. <laughs> uh, but this whole quickie <laughs> spell magic deal that he finds on his desk, which first of all, like, oh man, when when Phil does like the whole, um, oh well, it's not me, it's for a friend. But I mean, I don't even know what it <laughs> is. But... Asking for a friend, yeah, like... <laughs> right. <laughs> I swear, officer, this is not my quick spell. So if I were to uh, not 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 I, if a friend, if a friend, if a friend mm-hmm. were to buy this package deal um uh-huh. I, I see you have like varying prices yeah like, yeah like if can i get like some help like some some support yeah. for this other one no oh i have to bump up to the next price for that one <laughs> yeah, it's okay. like my friend's only looking to spend about 140 dollars so i mean maybe you could help my friend out with the are that, deal are the owls uh, <laughs> are the owls purple too so everyone's going to know that that's mm-hmm. what i'm getting like it's real awkward and, and, <laughs> and the whole thing he doesn't cover it very well and it's really embarrassing and harry first of all okay quick question what did harry do wrong what filch is in a mood yeah uh, and and so harry dragged mud and filch apparently has to clean that up and that means Harry gets detention? Because he's he, going to write, like, a formal, like, detention thingy. I would bet that, yeah, he was trying to, to punish Harry. And then when he was pulled out of the room, somewhere on the walk back, he mm. realized, like, yeah. this is not going to hold up. Yeah. Like, if he complains to someone. They're just going to be like, yes, and? Like, yeah. everybody's bringing mud in. It's muddy out there. 
you know? And so I think that's part of it is he kind of mm. realized I'm, I'm punishing something that I'm going to eventually get in trouble for. So yeah, I, I like whatever, just get the kid out of my office. Don't want to deal with him. He's felt the pain. He's understood. He doesn't, yeah. he should be a little more considerate. Yeah. Which a is more level headed than felt I'm probably painting him more level headed than yeah. seen him. But I, I don't know. It's hard. And there's, there's some inconsistencies that I struggle with here too, where it's like Fred and George have their own like shelf and it's just all the times they've gotten in trouble yet. Never once were they found outside or like were they found sneaking around after grounds where they would get punished for 50 points. We to haven't actually heard that. We've heard hysterical McGonagall say never have I ever, which yeah. I, I maintain was partly because of the state that they found her in, which is like in her bathrobe and shower cap and all that business. Yeah, that makes sense. And their first years and they're her kids. Maybe Fred and George have been caught by other other heads of house or other teachers. Yeah. Like, like maybe she just hasn't caught them. I, like, I think that be. we just... haven't actually heard that Fred and George have not been caught for that. Okay. I I guess I was just a little bit, I took it too literally when McGonagall's like, oh, never have I ever. And I'm like, clearly, clearly you have. But the whole quick spell magic thing, uh, do you think that could work? For someone who might, it, say say what I, I know to be true, where Filch doesn't have any wizard powers. Um, he doesn't. He's a, he's not a muggle. Why do, why do you think that? I think I just found that out. Like, I think I forget how I learned that, but I think I learned that. Um, I don't know if it was mentioned in the last book or if it was mentioned in this book, but I think essentially he doesn't have any wizard powers. I think his parents were wizards. I thought we talked about this once. No, maybe that was with someone else. Maybe someone spoiled it for me. I will find you. (laughs) That's the hard part about having a Harry Potter podcast, though, because the people who listen to it are like, oh, man, that whole Filch cat thing. And I'm like, I know, right? And they're like, yeah, funny that he's not even a wizard. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I think that's pretty much exactly how it went down. I'm like, what What do you What do you mean? <laughs> so thanks, guys. It, it could be. But I don't think he has any magic powers. It could be that he was just really, really bad at it. Like, oh, like maybe he was expelled and he isn't allowed to use magic anymore, yeah, that or could be. maybe um, he he did like graduate, like slash dropped out in fifth year and got and like this is sort of like a GED program. There's nothing wrong with that, listeners. Take pride in your GEDs, uh, and and he's pursuing it. Yeah. like maybe that's it. Could Just, be like. Yeah. Cle- clearly, we haven't seen him ever do any magic, and he does a lot of hand cleaning, so he probably. At least has some problems. Yeah, with we're led magic. to believe that and he needs a little booster. Definitely was not asking for a friend with that quick spell. <laughs> no, no. So, and this pretty much is like the the male enhance. I mean, magic enhancement uh, book that he might be looking for. Yeah, it's it's magic for dummies. Yeah, <laughs> and man, I hope he I hope he finds what he's looking for, Filch. I uh, I loved. Like all of the testimonials <laughs> in that was... really indiscernible font. By oh the way. my gosh, it was so hard to read. What's with that? That was some poor design choice. Yeah. But... <laughs> Look at us, two journalists. <laughs> Just why? Why? I don't know. It looks fancy. We're talking about page. What is that? 
Page 127. Yeah. My my favorite was, I was like, hold up. Someone did what? Um, (laughs) Where, let me see. Uh, My wife. My wife used to sneer at my feeble charms. But one month into your fabulous quickspell course, and I succeeded in turning her into a yak. Thank you, quickspell. I'm like, hold up. I'm like, that's, that's, you've got some bigger problems here. Like, he landed in jail, but at least he could do magic. Right? <laughs> like, it's like, why do you want your wife to be a yak? Mm, questions. Mm. Questions. <laughs> Who knows? Uh... Good thing he went and got a quickie from Quickspell. Oh, golly. It means something different in the wizard world. They didn't carry that one over. That just means means a fast spell. Anyway, I'm going to do a lot of censoring in this episode. You are. What is up with you tonight? I'm taking all of this out. (laughs) (laughs) But, no. um, So, Filch, trying to learn magic. Super embarrassing. Harry saw it, and apparently that was enough that... Um, well, and, and Harry, like, didn't understand understand the significance of it at all. And if Quilch, if, if Filch had just played it off mm-hmm. as, like, like, dude, don't read other people's mail. Yeah, yeah. Like, if he'd actually been chill about it, but just stern, Harry probably wouldn't have even mentioned it. Like, yeah. Like, we've even got to a point where he was going to mention it. And and then something else happened. And yeah. Like, eh. So like, it's already like it's kind of at the forefront of his mind, but just kind of as a. So this is what happened in my day. Yeah. Thing. And he could gloss over that real fast, depending on how eventful the day is. <laughs> but instead, it became like this whole thing where it's like Harry's definitely going to remember that now. Yep. Definitely. Filch acted weird. Also, he had a turban on, or not a tur- a, a tartan's <laughs> yeah. scarf on his head, and I was like. This <laughs> not this again. <laughs> We've seen this. Like, yeah. But uh did, Harry... did you look at that and think like I've seen this before or No, I didn't read into that too much. No. Nah. I didn't I didn't know what to think of it. I think uh that might just be his ghost hunter mode. I don't know. Uh so I mean, he's sick and so maybe it's that, like his head's cold. Can and... a tartan also be like a scarf, worn like a scarf? Um so a Tartan is is the design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's plaid, um, kind of. It's Scottish plaid. I'm sorry, listeners. It's, tartan is it's a like like each clan has a coat of arms, mm-hmm. and then each clan also has has their own tartan, which is the design of the stars of of, of the stripes. And oh, okay. Colors. Gotcha. And then there's a a plaid, which is a sort of scarf, and then you can also have like in modern day actual scarves that are in your in your tartan. Gotcha. Fun facts. Hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Filch, or sorry, not Filch, Peeves knocked over a vanishing cabinet, which apparently was really expensive and can't be fixed. What's a vanishing cabinet exactly? What do you think a vanishing cabinet is? I think, uh, have you watched Arrested Development, like the first season? Yes. There's the Aztec tomb that Job uses to make people disappear, and there's just a panel in the back, and he gives it away, and he gets kicked out of the Magic Society. Uh, uh, it's essentially just the fancy version of that. You put it in there, you close the door, you open it, they're gone. <laughs> oh. and is it is it like real magic, or is it like something that Filch could do? I, I think it's a enchanted object. And the enchantment is that once you go in there and close the doors, you become invisible for the time that you're in there. 
it's a good place to hide. You know, you're running away from somebody, you're trying to hide or whatever. You just hop in there, and they're like, "I swear, I saw him going to that cabinet." And they open the cabinet, and it's empty. And they're like, "Oh, guess he got away." It's something like that. You know, it, it, the whole place is filled with silly things. <laughs> it was. It was just sort of an interesting little. Like I was trying well, while I was reading this, I got mm-hmm. to the end of it, mm-hmm. and I wondered why. Why on earth we are even in there? Like in Filch's office. Yeah, like we get to. Like, what is the purpose? I, the thing that you said the last time. Of, oh. Like, she needed this to be this way. She needed you to know about this thing. So then this other thing, I don't know what it is, would be set up. Like, yeah, yeah. Why, why is Ron's wand broken? Well, she needed that to be broken for some reason. And we found out why. It's yeah. Because we needed this whole spell to backfire to see that this wand is a big deal. And for that kind of humorous thing. And to set up the mic. Mo- no! Thing. Yeah. And to- yeah. It, so we yeah. see that. We- so why Filch's office then? Yeah. I was sitting there reading and we have nearly headless Nick talking mm-hmm. about this this party that he's having having and mm-hmm. i want to have i want to be a part of the headless hunt or i think that's all he says at the beginning i want to be a part of this headless hunt and i'm not good enough mm-hmm. and then harry's pulled into filch's office and then nick sort of saves harry and then i was wondering is it because harry needs to feel indebted to nick in order to then say, yeah, sure, I'll go to your party. You did save me. Uh, I certainly think that's part of it. I think a big theme of this chapter and the whole Death Day party celebration, it's establishing that ghosts matter in this world and that ghosts can actually be central characters and have an effect on how the school works, which we haven't seen up until now. Up until now, they've just kind of been jesters or just kind of helpful people or whatever. But we need to know that ghosts matter. More than Peeves. Like, More than we Peeves. know that Peeves yeah, does Peeves, stuff. Yeah, Peeves is just kind of a nuisance. He, he actually physically affects their world. Yeah. But, but like, even ghosts... from, like, a... Yeah, but, like, ghosts matter politically, too. And, and just like, they matter in the whole kind of... If you go through Hogwarts all five years and you never get good with the ghosts or have interactions with ghosts, you're missing out on a part of Hogwarts. You just are. Because they they matter. And I think we'll especially see that with Moaning Myrtle... Um, we saw her get teased a little bit, and we got um, we saw her set up as a character that is emotional, and she's always in the bathroom stall, and it's really awkward for the ladies because they can't use that stall or that bathroom. And and it's it's establishing first of all, Moni Myrtle, who I think is going to be, I, I think she's cast by Helen Bottom Carter. No, no, that's a different one. Anyway, uh, huh, I had that all wrong in my head. But either way, ghosts... Moaning Myrtle is the ghost of a girl, so there's that. Okay. Either way, I think this whole chapter and the whole thing with Nearly Headless Nick, kind of doing Harry a solid and stuff like that, it's here to say that, like, pay attention to these ghosts, remember them, they matter, they will be a big part of the overarching story. So that's fine. Yeah. Why did we have to detour into Filter's office? I don't know. That's a good question. I I was sitting there the whole time and I was like, is it to tell me about Quickspell? It could be to tell you about Filch. It, why do I need to know about Filch? I don't know. It might, you might be curious. Like, well, is, is it just needless world building that's interesting? Is it kind of like a, a rabbit trail of here's this little corner of the world that you didn't really need to know? Is the turban-like scarf a real thing? Yeah. Um, was the vanishing cabinet the reason? Like, No, no. I, I think given that I haven't read the next set of chapters... What we're left with at the end of the chapter is Miss Norris hanging by her tail with words written 
um, where it's like the air is enemies ret- of the air beware the enemies of, of secrets the- is open yeah and and which Draco follows up with saying like Bloods better watch out so what we're seeing here is Draco is telling us what that means essentially like Draco reads that because he's in the know he sees the word the air and he's like oh like me like us mm. the pure bloods we are the air we are the ones who really run this place interesting and this ghost thing that hung up miss norris it's coming for anyone that's not the air so watch out my Mon- no. and the fact that it was miss norris i mean first of all that's just an impactful thing everybody knows miss norris it's a big statement saying like look this little thing that's out to watch and protect this school or whatever look what i just did to it you know i i run this town but it's also saying like mr filch you dirty whatever it is for someone who is like wizard parents but no magic powers i'm looking at you too buddy i'm looking at you because you're not of the air you're dirty you know so we were setting up that filch is also in the line of fire yep yeah if mitch if miss norris isn't sacred then neither is miss is filch and we now see potentially why because he doesn't know magic which means he might not even be a, a, a true wizard in that sense. Interesting. Yeah, so that's my mind. It's establishing the air is, the, and I think Draco kind of confirmed this. Again, I don't know. I might be completely wrong. But I think the people that we're going to see turn to stone are going to be people who are muggle-born or, um, or in, inept? What's the word? Uh, incapable? Maybe? Incapable, sure. There's a technical word for it, but I'm not going to dig for it. Um, so I think people like Colin, who is muggle-born, right? Yes, Colin is. Thankfully, he's going to get turned to stone. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> and Hermione's at a real risk, for sure. Um, who else do we know? The Hufflepuff guy? The first Hufflepuff? Yeah, Justin Finchfletchley yeah. is... Yeah, he's muggle-born. Yeah, like why even introduce him and point out that he's muggle-born if he's not going to get turned to stone and make him likable everybody likes this guy great turn him to stone you know it's more more emotional weight when it happens um because colin's not going to carry an emotional weight he's going to get turned to stone and they're like okay everyone and and they all said hallelujah hallelujah uh but then they come for hermione and all of a sudden no 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 no, she matters more uh but maybe filch is in the line of fire it's very possible uh has filch already been fired at uh with miss norris yeah like is he miss norris (laughs) (sighs) we still haven't seen him together we still haven't seen it we do we do no we don't i thought at the end of this he talks he talks to her but we do not see them oh you're right i was looking oh the illusion continues guys we don't (laughs) know looking we don't know i i might have been lied to by my spoilery friend and for all we know he is in fact a wizard he just only knows transfiguration i'm just saying yeah i've I've looked. Let's keep this dream and alive, so guys. so far, <laughs> this is a headcanon I can get behind so far. <laughs> I like this. Okay, we'll stick with that. Let's keep that dream alive. I'm a big fan. Uh, so I guess lastly, so we already talked about the end of the chapter and how there's the writing on the wall and the Chamber of Secrets has been opened, that darn second floor corridor this time. Um, mm-hmm. Is it even second floor? I feel like he runs and runs until it stops. Huh. I don't it? know. Oh the, yeah, it was. A, it was. Yeah, it's the, the second floor. The whole That's problem right. is we missed the introduction speech because the two were late 
to to Hogwarts. <laughs> so we completely missed the establishing shot where they tell us where the Chamber of Secrets is. Which is a huge problem because it would have been really nice to know. Oh, that, that, that just destroyed me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... We yep. would know where it is if if they hadn't missed it. So that's on them. <laughs> but it's been opened, whatever it is. Uh, and oh, Draco man. seems to take great pleasure in this, which is a huge jerk move. So what is the Chamber of Secrets? I don't know. Uh, something. I, I have no idea on this one. The Sorcerer's Stone, I had the whole idea about the power, nexus, whatever. Chamber of Secrets, I don't know, man. I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of secrets at Hogwarts, and if some of them got out, it'd be a big problem. Um, it might also be where they expel ghosts to. I could see that where it's like, okay, we've established the ghosts, and some ghosts can be troublesome. Um, maybe not directly, but they can have influence over things. You know, they can't directly. They're not poltergeists. They're ghosts. But they can kind of convince people to do things. So maybe there have been some ghosts that have been problematic, and they shove them away into this chamber of secrets. But that's going off of just super limited knowledge, just what I've read. Um, I'm hoping that we learn more about it, because right now I I just don't have any good guesses. It's something that is very old, and something that is very... um, What is it? Lawful evil? Or something like that? I I forget the the term for it, but it's something that is... is Whatever is coming for the Half-Bloods or whatever... It feels like it's doing a service to the wizard world. And it's following very specific rules. And it's following very specific rules. Yeah, so it's like, whatever it is, it's probably something that they put away because it, you know, they couldn't really control it. So they just tucked it away. And maybe it has influence over a basilisk. Maybe it is a basilisk. Maybe there's a giant spider in this book. Who knows? <laughs> but I don't know if it's connected to the voice that's whispering or not. Uh,. Because Harry hears the voice again, and it leads him to the chamber. Or to, not the chamber, whoa. But it leads him to Miss Norris hanging. So I think we're led to believe that whatever that voice is, is the voice of whatever's causing these things to happen. Um, And if it's a voice that he can't see, but it can be very chilling, but he can't see it, nobody can see it, and it can direct itself just to him, that sounds like a ghost to me. Uh, Maybe. I don't know how else it could... Well, and Harry wonders the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Is it a ghost that walls don't matter? That would make sense. But I guess we will find out in the next chapter of Word Struck. Mm. Do you <laughs> think we'll find out in the next chapter? Not in the next one. <laughs> next episode of Word Struck. So I, I had one more question. Um, sure. And you sort of touched on it. But mm-hmm. um, the the second part of that that statement on the wall is enemies of the air beware mm-hmm. who's the air or, is uh, it, or did it mean like the airs because you you talked about yeah I, I think the air is essentially a society of pure blood wizards that are very against um they're like alt-right wizards where they're all for just maintaining their perverse idea of what it is to be a wizard and for them being a wizard is also being pure blood and, and like, yeah, sure, you can do magic if you're not this, but, like, to really be a wizard, you have to be of the wizard order. Um, that's my guess. 
I, I think it's very much like an elitist thing, especially we've seen glimpses of it. The whole fact that there's the whole mud kip, no! thing being brought up. Again, J.K. Rowling, she, she doesn't put stuff in there that doesn't matter later. I mean, every now and then she does, but for the most part, something big like that, where there's a whole chapter named after it, it matters. So I think the whole idea of racial inequality and racial differences between wizards, I think it's going to be a big topic here. So I think the error is um, something that's looking to purge the bloodline of contaminants mm. and and make a big statement and maybe clear the way for the true person and, and not this Dumbledore guy who will just let anyone into the school. You know, Hogwarts used to have standards. <laughs> you know? Uh so that's my guess as to what the air is. It's an old society with a lot of a lot of ghosts, a lot of um, pent-up people who might be secretly supportive of it, and you don't even know because they're not going to say that out loud. But if people start getting turned to stone, maybe they're just kind of okay with that, you know? Oh, man, that's awful. It is awful. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. Interesting theory. Yeah. I like it. So uh, favorite quotes? Favorite quotes. Yeah, okay. So that's when Nearly Headless Nick is uh, talking to Harry about how, like, right after he read his letter of, uh, sorry, like, you're not beheaded enough for us, um, he rants a little bit at Harry. He says, half an inch of skin and sinew holding my neck on, Harry. Most people would think that's good and beheaded, but oh no, it's not enough for Sir (laughs) Properly Decapitated Podmore. (laughs) You're right. The alliteration. It's what you're talking about. Yep. Oh, that's funny. This uh, That's on page 124, by the way. So <laughs> Properly decapitated. Properly decapitated Podmore. It's like, if you can call me nearly headless, which is every, what, which is making my name about what I'm not, then I can call you what your name. Yeah. That's funny. I like that. Uh, it, was, it was sassy. It was mm. properly sassy, and I was glad for it, so... <laughs> Maybe John Cleese will actually deliver a good line in the next movie. Who knows? He has he has quite a bit he has to good go stuff to off work of with. this this book. So, what's your favorite quote? Uh, mine is just a few pages later. It's on page one twenty eight. We're just talking about Filch just getting increasingly more upset uh, over this whole awkward thing, and just this little thing popped out. And I know we already talked about tartans and stuff, but Harry was, Harry was staring at him alarmed. Filch had never looked madder. His eyes were popping. A tick was going in one of his pouchy cheeks, and the tartan scarf didn't help. <laughs> he sounds like he looks mad. Yeah. He, he lo- like, insane. But it's like... just, like, it, it, painting a mental... I was kind of following it just in, like, the, the order it was given to me, where I'm like, okay, he looks mad, his eyes are popping, a tick was going in his cheek, and... And also, he was wearing a scarf. <laughs> like I'm just like, <laughs> it's not. It's not a non sequitur because it's saying like, well, he was wearing something that had red in it, which brought out the red even more, or, or he was wearing something that the red clashed against. Yeah, tartan isn't necessarily. I think. I think what the what the implication there is is that like that's not how you're supposed to wear tartan, like wrapped around your head like that. Like it makes you look like like. A crazy cat lady like <laughs> i guess i missed that whole part where it was even up on his head like i don't remember seeing that so it's on page 125 ah. uh, argus filch burst suddenly through a tapestry to harry's right wheezing and looking wildly about for the rule breaker there was a thick tartan scarf bound around his head and his nose was unusually purple oh so it is just because he's sick 
and he's just trying to stay warm. It's it's drafty in there, as we've established. Yeah, yeah. And th- like, there's beginnings of chapters all throughout Sorcerer's Stone, the Stone that's talking about how drafty it is, which I think, like, can't you, like, put windows in, like, glass in your windows and, like, magically heat your castle? Yeah, yeah. To prevent everyone from getting so sick that they all need a, like, crazy potion that makes it look like people are on fire and smoking from their ears. Which is hilarious. I loved that. I felt like it was a very real, um... Uh, sort of magicalization of, of, of a real muggle problem of like yeah. colds just like knock entire schools out. Yeah. And it even happens in the wizarding world and the medicine sometimes doesn't always work the way that you wish it would. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It was a good little glimpse into, it was just kind of one of those funny little things. She's good at slipping those in, Yeah, you know? And, and that's, I guess that's why I like this quote too, because she just kind of like, was describing how mad he is, and then she's like, oh, yeah, and, and the scarf. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. It, it really paints the picture. Yeah. So that's that. A lot uh, a lot more to unpack than I thought in these chapters. Yeah, kind of going too. in, I'm like, I don't know. I don't the know. ghosts, man. I thought that was just fantastic. Yeah, ghosts are cool. fun to read. <laughs> but uh, if you have been enjoying Wordstruck so far, go ahead and, and give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, we like that. iTunes likes that. Uh, it gives us a better chance of being featured, getting in front of more eyes. And I'm going to do something a little bit different this time around. Um, I, I just want to talk about a couple people. I don't want to talk about them, but I just want to read a couple of the ratings that we've already gotten. Um, they're not all like brand new or anything, but just like, I think it's cool that you guys took the time to give us a rating and write something up. That's great. Like you didn't have to do that and we really appreciate it. So I'm just going to read them out loud. I hope that's okay. So here's uh, the first few. Uh, the first one is by listener Brenna B and it is so excited. I can't wait to hear more from these two. Thanks Brenna. Um, we have from (laughs) ASDFKJASDG. Which I think is, yeah, it's the middle Just row like of the keyboard. keyboard vomit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great show. I'm loving the sound of Alyssa and Clark's voices. Harry Potter season is so much fun. A wonderful commute podcast. Aw. Thanks. Adds the. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Adds, yeah. And then uh, the last one I'll read today, I'll do, I'll do more on the next one, but um, the dude 22 says dynamic duo. There couldn't be a more entertaining pair for driving into the Harry Potter universe. Aww. Thanks. That's great. So, um, I feel all warm and fuzzy from your words of affirmation. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really cool, man. So, thanks a lot. Uh, and you, on top of rating us, you can also just get a hold of us. If you have comments, if you have um, more ideas on what ghosts are and stuff, uh, you can find us on Twitter at WordstruckPod, and I'll let you take over from here. Um, you can tweet at me. I'm at Alyssa Small or at Clark, at Clark Hodges. Uh, did you say Gmail? Uh, uh, no, I didn't. Y- you can totally email us at wordstruckpodcast at gmail.com. And then uh, one thing that I'd really love to know from you readers, and I was going to ask Clark this, so I'm just going to need to have him to tweet it at me. That works. Uh, if you were a ghost, where would you haunt? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, let us know uh, what you liked and what we can do to improve and get get excited about the next chapters with us. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.